0: I'm Jason Sylvia, and this is The Creative Capital Show, a show about creative people and how those creative people turn into entrepreneurs by taking their creativity and turning it into a business and facing all the trials and tribulations along the way. Do the areas of government and business have to be adversaries? It seems as if you live in the state of Rhode Island, the answers are resounding yes. But what if it didn't have to be that way? In fact, what if a former business owner worked in government to make it easier to do business? And what if that person was your NOAA guy that could help you if you ever had an issue with regulations or paperwork? Well, that person happens to be this episode's guest, Director of the Department of Business Regulation, Liz Tanner. Liz started out with her own law practice, helping others open their own businesses. So she was familiar with the pains of working with local government. She decided if things were to change, she would need to get involved by becoming a part of government herself. In this episode, Liz and I talk about business regulations in Rhode Island, the resources available to business owners, why now is the best time to start a business, the I-know-a-guy history of doing business in Rhode Island, and the culture change within local government of seeing citizens as customers rather than adversaries. All of this so that government and business can work together to get things done. Enjoy.
1: It's Tanner.
0: Liz, please, please call me Liz. Liz, I'm just trying to you know, get the full name, be, be proper in the beginning, but uh, Liz, thank you for coming on. And for those that are listening, what is it exactly that you do?
1: Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am the director of the Department of Business Regulation. And so in a small state like Rhode Island, uh, we oversee lots of things that would normally be in lots of different departments in a bigger state. So that includes all financial services, banking, insurance, securities, That includes the fire marshal's office, which includes um, all of the inspections and um, investigations that they do, as well as the bomb squad and the fire academy. That includes the state building office, which includes all contractor registration, the building codes, and any complaints that come from that. It also includes um, gaming and athletics, which is boxing and mixed martial arts. Um, I'm the only female boxing commissioner in the United States. Yeah, I was
0: like, wait, you're the. uh, I was looking that up. Like, you're the only female boxing commissioner. Like, that's an interesting
1: fun fact. Very proud of it. It's um, they do yell my name before the um, before the events. You know, so it's like in the ring now. You know, and so yeah, it's kind of funny. (laughs) Um, But I also oversee marijuana and liquor appeals. So then, you're the other person to blame. Got it. And then, <laughs> as as well as all of the like random licenses that don't make sense anyplace else. So whether it's engineers or architects, but it's also realtors and mobile homes and constables, and I could go on and on and on and on. So it's a there's never a dull moment. I learn so many things every single day.
0: Oh, that'll eventually be your podcast, most likely, or maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> there but, you go. You know, you'll you'll start that podcast, and everybody's like, "Wow, licensing is really weird in Rhode Island." Um, so you didn't. There are some people who are like career-long in government. You did not start out that way. You started out your own business, actually, um, a law firm. So how long were you, had your law firm, and what made you want to transition from, hey, I've got my own successful practice, doing my thing, now I'm going to go into this crazy world of government and regulations and so on and so forth?
1: It's funny, I've done a little bit of everything at this point. I think the only thing I haven't done is nonprofit because I started in corporate, then I owned my own business, and now I'm in government. Uh, when I owned my own law practice, I was pretty much half real estate, half business, and I've opened up over three hundred and fifty corporations and LLCs for my clients. And I became really familiar with some of the frustrations that they were having with government on how to open and how to run and how to close their business. And so I talked about that on
0: this very show about those same frustrations. Hence why I'm glad to have you on. Talk you about that
1: a little bit. And so I came to government because I wanted to fix the problems that I saw. So when Gina Raimondo was running for treasurer, she kept talking about offering a concierge-level service to help businesses. And I said, I want that job. I want to do that. And so I um, I talked to a lot of people. I worked on my resume. I created a plan, submitted it, and eventually um, uh, was able to attain that position. And basically, when I showed up, they said, go for it. You know what's wrong. Try to fix it. And it's been a pleasure to fix all of those problems ever since.
0: So basically, the idea was like, hey, I see these problems, and maybe there's something I can do about them. And then on, on the flip side of that, the I guess the government side was – Oh, like, here's a person who's actually run a business and wants to solve these problems. Let's let's just make it happen at that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was, she knows the specifics, but I only knew what I knew too, right? So I went out and I talked to a ton of businesses. So I attended, if not organized, hundreds of events. I talked to thousands of businesses and said, all right, I know what I know, but you tell me what you know so that we can either change the regulation, try to fix the law, or try to do something else.
0: So one thing I noticed, you know, just in the beginning of you know of this, is that you were saying, "Oh, um, you know, I have to wear all these different hats. I have to do, oversee all of these different regulations." And I think even uh, with some of the entrepreneurs I had on this show, you know, when they're starting a business or they're starting anything. They have to, you know do five or six or seven jobs rather than one job. So you're mentioning all these different things that you have to oversee that in other states would be different departments. Um, just for the listeners out there, how do you manage like switching gears? Because I'm thinking you have to be in different mindsets and put different hats on, to go from you know, boxing an MMA commissioner to like marijuana licensing is probably two completely different worlds. So how do you keep up with all that, and how are you able to, how are you able to switch gears?
1: You know, it's interesting because so much of it is just licensing, right, or permitting or um, inspections that lead to enforcement, you know. And so whether it's in the construction space or the engineering space or a constable or, or a realtor, you know, that's really the same general process. But there are these sort of one-off areas that I have, um, like – understanding the organizational setup of a boxing ring. You know, I can tell you more detail about a boxing ring than I ever thought I would know. Um, or when we have a bomb square, bomb scare, you know, and, and, uh, trying to get funding for the latest and greatest, uh, bomb detection equipment, you know, so it's, it's, it's the same thing, just different subject areas. Um, and you just have to make sure they all get the attention that they need. So, I enjoy it very much. It's probably um, the most interesting job I'll ever have in my life. That's for sure.
0: So I'm going to, you know, with this, because I want to make the most of the time that we both have here today. um, I'm just going to get into it. I've, I have, and I think anybody listening has probably seen the same thing. I've seen articles from different business related websites and the one, and I will always see, Hey, most difficult state to do business in. We're usually like in the top, you know, three to five, or like worst states to do business in. We're in like the top three to five, and it's weird because I I have this show right, and I'm talking to entrepreneurs, and like they have their troubles, but I'm just like, okay, we got good businesses here. So there is, the, you know, that information getting out there. What, in your opinion, is the case? Because you said you wanted to solve these problems, right? They wanted to do this, you know, concierge love like white glove service to help businesses out. Um, why do you think that is the case? That we're you know we as Rhode Island is constantly ranking last as like states to do business in or difficult you know or or we rank high as far as difficulty difficulty to do business in, and you know what has changed, what's improving, and why do you think that is?
1: You know it's funny because so many of those reviews talk about things and they say you know worst states to do business but what they're judging is the quality of our roads and bridges. And while that's very important for some businesses, that's not necessarily important for all businesses, you know. And so do we have a, a weakened infrastructure that we've been working on for now 6-8 years. Absolutely. And so when they rank the quality of our bridges and it brings us down so significantly, um that's a big part of it. You know. So but if they were to rank us on things such as That concierge level white glove service, we do have that, and most and most other states don't because they can't because they're a bigger state. So it's one of those things where it really depends on what kind of questions they're asking. You know, there's so many different ones of those studies. They all rank by different things. Um, You know, it's 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 become clear to us that those rankings really don't mean a whole lot. Um, I've looked at every single other state on how to open up another business. I've looked at some big cities, some of the big counties across the country, and everybody does it the same way. So as far as you know how you actually do business. It's not that much different here in Rhode Island than it is in pretty much any place else in the country.
0: I'm gonna hold on to that thought because I'm gonna have a follow up question to that. But I also have another perception related question that I want to ask. And um, this one, as the reason why I say it's perception related, it's been covered on another podcast. Funny enough, uh, Crime Town Season One. Which don't stop listening to this podcast if you're listening. Listen to this episode, then go listen to an episode of Crime Time, then come back to this one. Just, just saying. Just don't hit the stop button on this. Anyway, um, <laughs> but there's this been this perception that, and you know, we as Rhode Island can't escape it of cronyism, nepotism, corruption, things like I, that. Could be a whole podcast slash movie series in and of itself. You know. Um, going, I, I would say, as far back as the 50s, maybe even further Then in the 80s. You had things like, I think it was called the Commission, that whole Rhode Island state banking, like that bank fiasco that happened. Uh, again, folks, look it up. I'm not making this up. Uh, so do you think that that perception still lingers today? How much of it still lingers? And does it make the job of government working with businesses locally in Rhode Island difficult because there is this perception of like nepotism, cronyism, et cetera?
1: We call it the NOAA guy, you know. And so I could actually probably do my own podcast on "I'll be your NOAA guy." So when I came to state government, that's what I actually pitched, started to pitch myself as is: I'm your NOAA guy because there are actually um, tons of resources to NOAA guy to get whatever problem it is that you have resolved. And now governments, of course, not perfect, right? There's going to be problems. It can't. It's. It's. There's always going to be issues. But I can tell you that there are so many people ready and willing to take your email, your um, your complaint, your social media piece and respond to it and help you out with whatever problem you have um, that you, would, you wouldn't even believe, right? So the, I will tell you that the number of thank yous I get and the number of emails that say, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to have a really bad experience, but I've really had a pleasant one or, or even better, I work in 50 states and Rhode Island is by far the best one that I work with far outweighs the complaints that I get. So, you know, I know at least in my agency, we track our complaints to see if there's a higher volume in a particular place or if people aren't being responded to in a timely manner. And we have found that over, uh, you know, the last six, eight years, uh, because of the level of complaints, that state government has really started to change its culture of considering their citizens and their businesses as clients rather than as some sort of adversary. So there's there's been a real culture change, and I. I think you'd see far more people um, saying they had a good experience than a bad experience, and that's that's something new. And Rhode Islanders should be very proud of that.
0: So, the culture needed to change, and that's that's interesting. Like the perception of like, hey guys, like they're not the, the people are not the enemy. Like we need they're our clients. We have to look at it almost like a business. Like they're our clients. We need to serve them, not they're the enemy. We have to like go and fight them.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, is there. Is that Was that the attitude of long ago? I, I, I think to a certain extent it may have been. Um, and I definitely had some folks who weren't of the customer service mentality. Um, but what I constantly pitch to my employees is that they pay our salary. You know, those, those are taxpayers. They're your neighbors. They're your friends. They're your relatives. And they pay your salaries. So they are your customers, and you should treat them as such. You should treat them as the way you would want to be treated, living by the golden rule.
0: So I think the next two questions are going to hit on this. Um, you would think we've fully planned this, but I wish I was that smart in planning the show. But folks, being completely honest to you, I'm usually flying by the seam of my pants. But anyway, uh, you know, I've spoken with other entrepreneurs, business owners on this very show, and one constant I've run into, or I should say they've run into and they've mentioned to me, so it's been a constant theme, um, so I can't necessarily put it on them, uh, is, hey, Things just like getting my licensing figured out, doing the legal paperwork. Uh, the complaint is always in like I have to go to three different places, and these places aren't talking to each other. And then I waste a day because place A is not talking to place B, or they they somehow magically lost like all the progress I made. Or if I make like if I cross the the T the wrong way, I have to redo this whole process and then pay double. Um, so many different stories of that on this show. It seems to be from in you know the opinions that I hear like a broken outdated system that just doesn't work correctly. Uh, would you agree? Well, what do you think the problems are and what can be done to kind of clean up and just make it a more streamlined process? So, you know, you're like, Hey, I want to start a business and you don't have the thought of like, I might as well not, not might, may not as well do it or not do it legitimately because it's going to take so long from a legal and paperwork perspective.
1: You know it's interesting. For when I had my own law practice, that was a big part of what I did. I taught classes and I uh, volunteered with the many organizations in Rhode Island that exist to to do exactly that kind of work. And then ultimately, some people did hire me to do that kind of work as an as an attorney. in a In a self service world, you're seeing more and more people who want to do it themselves, right? And so they they want to do it themselves. When the reality is, is they're good at whatever their business is. Making a, making cakes for the bakery, uh, cutting hair, but they're not great at filling out legal forms or 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 trying to find this kind of information. And so, they should be relying on, to a certain extent, the experts who can help with that. And I'm not just saying you got to hire a lawyer, you got to hire an accountant. There are a ton of free. Let me say it again: free resources out there for business owners for people to answer those kinds of questions for them. So when they're trying to find it themselves, is it super easy to know exactly what you need to do? No, but there is literally a section on the Secretary of State's website where you can say what kind of business you're opening and it will tell you exactly what you have to do but people just don't know that right because they need to get to the right place
0: so I'm glad you mentioned that because that really does lead into my next question there have been other times on the show where I've talked to people and they would they would say hey I would get X amount far in my business and then I'd, I would find out the state or some organization not maybe not necessarily government related even if it's a you know um, like a nonprofit, or even a private business that does it for on the cheap. Uh, you know, I found out after the fact, after I went through all this pain, oh, like somebody just randomly mentions like, hey, there's this government program or like I find out there's this thing that exists that could have helped me, but it was way after the fact. Um, like you said, you can go on the website and you know put the type of business in and it would walk you through. Like you said, there's a lot of there's free resources. So if that's the case, if the stuff exists to help people, uh, what is the issue there where, where you know, even sometimes I'm surprised, like, I didn't know the state even did X, Y, and Z. I didn't know this organization existed to help with X, Y, and Z. Do you think it's a promotion problem? Do you think just the information's not getting out there as far as these resources are available for people to use? Like, is it just a marketing issue, like, and getting the word out?
1: I think it's kind of like when you want to buy a car or you want to get your first apartment. You don't know what's out there. You have to go and find it, right? Or you ask your friend or you Google it and you do a resource. You know, if you were to Google how to open up a business in Rhode Island, that will lead you to so many resources. It'll probably start at the Secretary of State's office or the Rhode Island Commerce Corporation, and both of those are great places for you to start to get the answers to your questions. Uh, The Secretary of State's is um, the actual place that you file sort of your corporation, your LLC paperwork, but they have these phenomenal online resources that will help you lead you in the right direction, versus the Rhode Island Commerce Corporation basically has a team of people that will sit down with you, listen to what your idea is, and then they'll point you in the right direction and handhold you to whatever it is you might need. Uh, you know, when when you want to get your apartment, they're not all the same, right? Do you want to be in an apartment, one bedroom, two bedroom, first floor, second floor, big, little, small, you know, like there's a million different options. And that's the same with each business, right? So you there's not just one answer to how to open up a business. Each one is truly and genuinely unique. Great example is um, one of the things we hear about is in the state of Rhode Island, approximately a thousand restaurants open up every single year and approximately a thousand restaurants close every year. So recognizing that, we actually created a website that tells you every single potential thing you could need to know when you want to open up a restaurant. So if you Google how to open up a restaurant in Rhode Island, there's this great website that will give you all of that information. But we did it for restaurants. But even in restaurants, there's so many wide differences, whether you're selling shellfish or whether you're having imported coffee or you're having liquor. It's Probably just Probably different crazy. food,
0: yeah, food regulations you have to deal different with. Different different licensing and all, all, all that jazz.
1: Nonetheless, if you're lo- – I mean forget the if you build your own building, right? If you're on the water, if you're near a historical site, if you are uh, close to a, a church and you want to sell liquor, right? Like there's just a lot of intricacies that are unique and uh, pertinent to whatever your kind of business is that you need to walk through. So there's just not one boxed answer for every single person.
0: So I want to um, bring, uh, bring this up because I think it's, actu- it's actually a good lead into this next question. So you and I met uh, at the CIC building. Um, they were doing this uh, venture cafe program where, um, again, talking about resources people don't know, the CIC building in Providence, they have a venture cafe event on Thursday nights. I've gone there to network. That's how I met you, Liz. Um, you know, and it's great that they have that and I would encourage people to go, but not everybody, you know, has the luxury nor the time to, you know, go to some of these things, go to like something like the CIC building. Um and when I was thinking about that, it you know brought into my mind, and I've had some of these conversations on the show where, you know, not everybody has money. Not everybody has the like you're saying, like, hey, I'll be I'll be your I know a guy. Not everybody historically has had the I know a guy. Some people are you know lucky in that aspect. Somebody, some not everybody has access to you know, a good credit score, things of that nature. So, or be able to go to events like the venture cafe. It's like, hey, I gotta work, I gotta go pick pick up my kids, etc. What advice or what information or what resources does the state have that, hey, I wanna start a business. Hey, I have this really good idea, but I'm low on cash, my credit score is not great. I don't have access. I don't um, come from in like an affluent area. Uh, What, if anything, how is the state helping people like that out?
1: You know, first and foremost, a a business is successful because of the passion and the hard work of the owner. Uh, Very often, to a certain extent, they can overcome whatever obstacles are in front of them with their passion and their hard work. That being said, you know, as an attorney, when I would sit with my clients, uh, I would often say, are you sure you want to do this? Right. Because if you're already barely scraping by investing in something like that is could be make, could make your financial situation even worse. Right. So you've really got to figure out what you want to do and how you're going to do it. And so if, if it's something that you are dedicated to and you do have the passion and the hard work, then you're going to figure out a way to save the money that you need And you're going to figure out a way to get the resources and the tools that you need. Um, There are some grant programs out there. You know, the government doesn't like to give away money to potentially a business that doesn't last long. You know, the majority of businesses all close within five years, Um, particularly in the restaurant space. There are pretty much no grants for that. Uh, But there are other ways around it, right? And there are other ways to build it. And so where where the resources really kick in is when your business is about to um, pivot to a growth stage. And that could be you know, you're selling spaghetti sauce kind of thing out of Hope and main, or it could be a, a manufacturing. It doesn't just have to be, you know, any kind of these bigger businesses, uh, but there are plenty of programs available and um, access to uh, opportunities. You just need to become aware of them. And that's where Commerce RI comes in. You should have a relationship with them so that you can um, learn what's potential for your business and how you need to get there. So,
0: you know, with your, with your job, right, there's a lot of things that you regulate that you oversee, uh, and it brings up an interesting question that I wanted to ask because, you know, it seems like there needs to be a balance between government regulation and then the freedom for businesses to do what it is they whatever they do, whether it's like, like you said, selling spaghetti sauce or selling liquor, uh, etc. Um, how hard is it to keep that balance? And you know, has Rhode Island, in your opinion, either historically or today? kept that balance are there things where the state maybe overreaches are there you know freedoms that business have that where it's like it goes a little too far like it seems like there needs to be like a balance of like hey we need some regulations so that when somebody sells you like food or drinks you you know don't get sick um, but at the same time there needs to be, a, you know, enough of a regulation where it's not hindering a business and on its success and its ways to make money. So how does that balance work just from, at least in your perspective, from a government behind-the-scenes perspective? And is it a constant flux? And, you know, what could be maybe improved today?
1: So I'll answer that, but let me say something else that kind of goes with it first, which is that, you know, at, at the Department of Business Regulation, you know, we really pride ourselves on good customer service. Um, we want to make it easy. We are actually the only state agency that's hundred percent electronic and online. Uh, we turn around pretty much anything that comes our way within a day,
0: but could you talk to the DMV then? I, <laughs> I think if you, can you guys just take that over? That, that'd be amazing if I could,
1: but to answer your, but to answer the question is that, you know, we are a consumer protection agency, right? It is our job to protect the citizens from the bad apples and there are, and there are bad apples. But we also try to work with those bad apples because some of those bad apples don't even know what they've done or they have not, um, you know, we don't want to shut down a business. We want to try to um, reform you and make you better. So in many circumstances, you know, you get a couple of chances to make yourself uh, in a a better place. So if if you're hearing a story from somebody who really got burnt um, in a way that uh, they felt that they hadn't. I can almost guarantee you that there's some backstory to that. <laughs> that, that there's a whole lot more to the story because we really do try to work with the businesses. There are occasions when something so bad happens that it's completely egregious and we shut it down, um, but it's one of those where pretty much everybody would agree with us in, in those kinds of things. We try very hard to work with our businesses. We don't want to shut anybody down, um, but it's not fair for some businesses to get away with certain things when everybody else is paying the price uh, for that. So um, so we feel that we have a very good line. And I certainly feel really good about it. Um, You know, I can think of many examples where we've tried to accommodate the business um, to just get them over the hump to make it easier and better. Um, But there have been plenty of times where I've seen something that made me sick to my stomach and I had no qualms shutting it down. So I sleep very well at night. I feel like we've made good decisions uh, in my tenure at the DBR. Just a quick sub-question
0: to that, because I think this happens, and I've talked about it on the show a couple of times, I think this happens too. Um, How is it handled, at least from your department's perspective, where it's like, Hey, this this business, like they are trying to do the right thing. They did forms nine, like they did of the 10 forms, they did like nine of them. And now maybe like somebody goes in and inspects and they get maybe maybe a little bit of a harsh overcorrection because, like, well, I'm shutting you down or like something happened because you didn't do form 10. Like in those situations, how does that get handled where it's like, is it a case-by-case base where you look at it, and it's like they're trying to do the right thing. Like for crying out loud, like, okay, like, all right, we'll help you. Like, you know what I mean? Rather than just overcorrecting and it, like, nope, shut it down. You didn't do this form. It's like, really? Or because sometimes people, again, it's that they don't know they may have not gotten the right resource. Maybe they got bad information, et cetera.
1: I feel like that's where the culture change is happening. Okay. And, and you've, and while I would say that that might still happen occasionally across government, um, it might be based on precedent that they're then to a certain extent required to follow. But I, I do feel that many of us have all started to work together um, in a better way. You know, one example, and I, I won't get into the details, but there's a connection between myself and another agency that would have allowed for businesses to be shut down immediately. And we found that when that happened, it was often on a Friday afternoon. Thence, thus, the business had to be closed for an entire weekend. Rather than it, losing money. And they're losing on the money on a weekend. Yeah. So, uh, so we made a deal so that it didn't ever happen on Friday afternoon. If it was going to happen on Friday, it happened to happen at least before noon on Friday so that the business had a chance to respond so that they could do what they needed to do before the end of the day Friday so that they weren't shut down for the whole weekend. But that was definitely a process, and that was uh, bringing it to the director's attention that those kinds of things were happening. Um, and now there's a, an arrangement there that um, – if the business can't get their act together fast enough and they're still shut down for the weekend, well, then maybe they should have been. But if it's truly one of those mistakes, you can usually get things uh, figured out, at least in this specific thing that I'm talking about, within a couple hours. So we made that work.
0: So a question I have, um, again, just on the regulation, and actually, I think this, this leads into it a little bit. Um, you know, We met at the CIC building, and that's you know, Venture Cafe, very technology-centric and forward as far as like, the talks I've gone to so far. Not all the time, but it also brought up an interesting question in my mind because, you know, you working in the area of regulation, I'll give examples such as, like, Lyft or Airbnb or even, um, I'm blanking on the name, but like the e-bikes we have in Providence. And the reason why I'm using those businesses as an example is that they are great examples of technology or a new business type or model comes in, they set up in any city or state, and then it seems like, the way they're able to set up and expand so fast is because they're taking advantage of either like loopholes in regulation or they're just skirting, you know, in some cases skirting the law entirely. And they're like, Oh, we've got, you know, we got enough cash in, in the war chest. Like if we get a fine, who cares? Like we'll pay it because we're making money hand over fist. Um, which is unfair to other businesses that are like, you know, trying to play by the rules. So it's interesting how technology has bought in these new business models. And, you know, what happens when government has to play catch up? And you know, in things like Airbnb and stuff like that, it, it takes a while. Like the business explodes, and then it's like government's like, wait a minute, we gotta like regulate this. And sometimes it's an overcorrection, um, you know, in the opinions of of certain people. So how does your office handle that? Are you constantly looking at the landscape and going, you know, and you are are involved, you're involved in the technology world. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, how do you look at that and go, hey, this new business might be popping up, or maybe that business pops up in another part of the country? And, like, hey, if that comes here, like, we need to be ready for not playing catch up like State X did with Business Y.
1: So, that's a great question. Because uh, when I came to the state agency, I was asking that same question to say, how do we handle this? And what we did was take a look at our laws, and we have what's called a regulatory sandbox which is kind of what you think it is. You get to kind of play in the sandbox to figure out what regulations may apply, may not apply. It really depends. And so what we encourage businesses to do is to come to us and say, hey, I've got the next Uber or Lyft. I've got something totally different. And um, this is what we think it's going to look like. And so we would have the ability, and we have done this in the past, where we would say, okay, we're not going to regulate you, but you know, based on what's in front of us. And again, of course, it depends on what kind of business it is to say, but we would like you to give us reports that help us benchmark these things that we would be concerned about from a consumer protection standpoint, so that we can then take a look at it and say, you know what, I don't think you really need to be regulated. Or you know what, yes, there's some real risk here for consumers. So uh, we're going to create a license type for you. Um, but we also are responsive to uh, Questions like that that we get. So, for example, when cryptocurrency first started coming out, I was very familiar with the newness of it. And uh, we took the time to reach out to the cryptocurrency uh, folks at the time. This was back in 17, 17, 18, and said, uh, this is totally new. We have nothing like this. I was actually part of a group of people working on definitions for cryptocurrency. What is a digital asset? What is money? You know, so this was way at the very beginning. And, we got, and they got back to us and said, listen, your laws are actually very open to a thing like cryptocurrency. However, your licensing structure is kind of wonky, and it would require us to get two different licenses. That's really the only thing that they could find that the state of Rhode Island had um, in the cryptocurrency space that was different or burdensome. So we worked with Speaker Shikarchi, who was the, just the leader at the time, and we said, can we create a new uh, currency license so that was just one and so that's what we did. So we passed the law in 18, and now there's a singular license rather than a double license. And that was just a response to new and innovative products, not even a business, right? That's a, that's a product that's, that was really part of it. And so the entire cryptocurrency industry was very happy. And so you know, we went from having just a couple of cryptocurrency companies to so now we have several hundred. So it was worthwhile exercise for us to do that. Um, but if we're not aware of it, then somebody does need to come to us. But we, we actually sought that information out and worked with them.
0: Want well, to hold on to that thought too. Going to go back to have another question. Going to go back to a little bit that. Um, do have a question on? You know, you were talking earlier about culture changes, which and they seem to be a positive thing, at least you know within your department and the way that you're working. Culture change and how to serve people, right? And how to have this like customer service aspect rather than adversarial. Uh, there's a previous episode where I was talking with a business owner, and it was early on in the business. They were trying to get a liquor license. And they were doing everything right, and you know, they've gone on to do other businesses. Um, but what happened was they were, when they were trying to get the full liquor license to serve their customers and they are doing good, a local council person was doing everything to basically uh, hinder it because they wanted to clean up that area of, um, within Providence. They were like, hey, I made a promise to, clean, you know, promise to clean up Providence, therefore um, you know, working against, which didn't make sense to me. Right. It's like, well, they're trying to do things the right way. And again, you were talking about when there's issues like that. So what advice would you have um, if somebody does have an issue like that? And maybe it's not with somebody in your department. Maybe it is like, it's a council person or somebody else in government. That's not in your department, like giving the hard time, or maybe they're, you know, Again, the whole I know a guy culture from yesteryear kind of coming into play still. Uh, what advice would you give where somebody's like, hey, I'm doing the right things and I feel like I'm either being targeted or like I'm getting block beat, not because I'm not doing stuff the right way, but because of like either a vendetta or accounts person like trying to make me an example. Because yeah. um, I think it does. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but hearing that story, it happens so what advice would you have for the people like, can they work directly with you? Like what recourse do they have? And especially because, um, you know, your experience in law, I would like to hear your opinion on that. And just cause you've probably seen all sides of this equation.
1: So, so just a little government 101 on right? So there's municipal ordinances that govern the municipality, then there's state law and regulation that govern state. And then there's the whole federal piece, right? So, so liquor licenses are actually granted by municipalities, uh, the appeal process comes to me, right? So when there's a, say, a shooting at a nightclub in Providence, usually I um, am the ultimate decider on what should be the status of that club. So liquor licenses are granted by municipalities um, and not the state, state. and However, they are still required to follow the same rules for the dissemination of it. And liquor license in some municipalities, it's easy. Some municipalities, it's really hard, right? Because it depends on the structure. Is there an unlimited number or... Uh, do you pay for them, right? You know, in some municipalities, a liquor license is uh, something that you sell along with your business and it can be very profitable. So um, so liquor licenses are, are an oddball piece to it. Uh, but as far as the example that you're sharing, yeah, it does happen every once in a while and it is extremely unfortunate, uh, which is one of the reasons that I always say that when you want to open up a business, you should absolutely go talk to the municipal government first, right? And so uh, if, depending on the size of it, you could talk to the mayor or the town manager or many of them now have an economic development officer who's, who is the municipality's own uh, version of Commerce RI where they handhold and walk through it with you because you want to establish a relationship with them and you want to have a partnership where you're all in this together so that you can have smooth sailing through whatever it is you're trying to do, whether it's the permitting process or the liquor license or, or who knows what else uh, might be your situation. However, if you do find that no matter what you're up against the wall, Uh, there are certain places to go. And so that would be, uh, first and foremost, the Governor's Office of Constituent Affairs. You could reach out to them and they could make some inquiries and do some things there. Uh, There is also a small business ombudsman. Uh, She actually reports to me at the Department of Business Regulation. And um, she is a neutral party and has the ability to get people in a room um, that other places don't have. There's also the hearing process that generates under the Uh, state level uh, through the department of administration and you can appeal certain things that way. And then there's also the attorney general's office that they get involved with some of this um, consumer protection or uh, you know, whatever might be happening in the local level. So depending on what your situation is, there are resources and tools that you can do um, to try to make it better. And hopefully it works out. It really just depends on what the situation is.
0: So speaking of uh, relationships between government and business, right? You were saying establish those relationships early, One thing I noticed, and I was actually talking to your uh, colleague who was sitting over there um, about how I started this podcast, and I've said the story a number of times. So if you've listened to the show, thank you. And if you've heard it so many times, I'm not going to go through the full thing. But one thing uh, that got the start of this, a friend and I, it was at the time the, I'll come out and say it, the fiasco that was the Cooler Warmer campaign, and we were joking, and the fact that Rhode Island looked to like a, I think it was like some firm that was way, that was like not even within the country of the United States basically. And we were just like, dude, we have RISD. We have a ton of artists that could have easily done a better job. Um, you know, I'll use another example. Uh, the fiasco, the game wasn't bad. And as somebody who plays video games, the game wasn't bad, but the fiasco from a business level and like a state doing business level, that was 38 studios. Maybe it was because, Oh my God, Kurt Schilling, da da da. Um, you yeah, know, I'm saying this as a Yankees fans, uh, folks, you feel free, feel free to Ooh. hate. feel free to throw the hate my way. Oh, I don't care. I don't care. I think care. we might be done here. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Shutting it down now. <laughs> but, um, you know, why does it seem like the state? There are certain times where I'll talk with other creatives and I'll talk with businesses and I'll go and they're like, why did the state go outside? Like we have the talent here for the cooler warmer campaign went outside for. There have been people who have tried to get video games done here and then they've gone out, you know, outside state. So it's why does the state do that? You know, do you have any insight on that? It's like, hey, we let's keep the town here, let's keep the money here, rather than looking to an outside firm where it's like they don't even know our state and our culture. Why not, you know, keep keep it within the family, so to speak?
1: I'm not even sure I can answer that to a Yankee fan, but <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll try, I'll try. Uh you know, first of all, that was a long time ago, right? Mm. But it's what's interesting to me is um, and, I, and I talk about this, uh, and, and I'm sure we'll get to it later when we start talking about blockchain, but government has reached a point where the citizens won't let it make a mistake. And that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? And so it's, it's a good thing because they, help, they hold them accountable. Um, but to a certain extent, it's a bad thing because they, they try to do something that at the time they think is good for whatever reason it might be. Um, and then when it's not, you know, they just get crucified for it. Right. So, so to a certain extent, um, you know, there's definitely a change in culture of the holding their feet to the fire. Um, and, and what I'm concerned about is it doesn't give government the chance to do anything except for be last doing something, um, because sometimes it's successful. So, so while we'll recognize, you know, the, the, the mistakes that do happen, they never get any credit for all the good stuff that does happen. Right. So there's a, there's a level of frustration there. Um, So I would say each circumstance is unique. You know, there are uh, rules that have to be followed for all purchasing things that um, are extremely frustrating, but they are a result of bad things that have happened in government in the past, so duly earned. Um, But there's also really good programs that are out there to pick certain businesses um, that wouldn't normally get chosen as well. So there's two programs that I'm thinking of. Um, So right now there's the Office of Diversity and Inclusion that uh, will focus on businesses that are either minority-owned or female-owned, and you can get uh, certified as, a let's say, a female-owned business, and and that will give you a better chance to to get a state contract. Um, And then for those businesses that aren't familiar with Supply RI at the Commerce Corporation, if you're a smaller business and you're trying to work with a bigger business, let's say like the colleges or the the hospitals and let's say you're a landscaper um, you know, there's a program that will show you how to apply and apply properly so that um, you would then become the state's the, the state of Rhode Island answer to that rather than many of these hospitals and colleges use out-of-state resources, right? So we want to have our biggest businesses hire Rhode Island businesses. And so that's Supply RI. And so you... Um, we also have a program called PTAC, P-T-A-C. Don't ask me what it stands for. But it's another program that will also help you get a job with, say, the federal government so that you can do certain things down at the, say, the Navy base. So, so there are programs out there that are um, geared towards and um, specific to Rhode Island businesses so that they can get Rhode Island business. And so, again, that... You you would learn about all of those through the Rhode Island Commerce Corporation.
0: So a little of a tack-on question to that, um, you know, if, and I liked how you used like, that customer service example. So you know, from a business standpoint, right, you gain customers, but then you also have to do retention. You have to keep your customers, right? What is the state doing, um, and I'll like, you know, every example is unique, but just as an, a topical example, like the Paw Socks have left, right? Um, what is the state doing to keep businesses in Rhode Island, like they get a little bit, you know, because they get a little bit of success and then sometimes they'll move to a bigger market like Boston or New York or wherever they happen to go. Um, you know, are there any programs in place or any incentives that the state is doing to try and, hey, you start a business here, it's successful, let's keep you here. Like, let's keep this thing going here rather than you going to a different market and then, you know, the state lose the, loses X amount of money in taxes and et cetera.
1: So you'll have my colleague that was sitting here next to me. That is literally her job. You know, it is her job. To listen to, we were Rhode talking Island. a little bit before on the show. Right, yeah. Funny enough, <laughs> um, that is literally her job to listen to business owners and hear what they have to say and hear what their struggles are. There are uh, certain programs and incentives to keep Rhode Island businesses here. Now you have to prove that you have uh, an opportunity elsewhere that would be cheaper than staying in Rhode Island. Um, but there, um, there is a person dedicated to exactly that purpose um, to to resolve and help you out. Just as well as there's plenty of people who are here. When a business wants to come to Rhode Island and you're looking for a location or you're looking to understand the incentives to come to Rhode Island, uh, there's a, a team of people to do that as well.
0: So just to kind of I uh, want to take something that's a little bit more topical, um, you know, COVID and whatnot, there have been issues and have, you've heard them in the news and it's all over the country, not just here, but like. Hey, the COVID funding happens, it goes to businesses, but then it seems like the businesses that really could have used that funding don't get it. And then, like, a large corporation gets it, and like, did, they didn't even need the help. And sometimes those businesses will even admit, like, hey, we didn't need the help. Um, besides the, that COVID specific example, what is Rhode Island doing? What is the state doing when it has funds or incentives to actually give to businesses and give to people that it gets to the business that can make the most use of it rather than? you know, Hey, I have this successful business. Like, Oh, here's more money. And it's like, Hey, I'm struggling. I need the money. It's like, no, you're not getting any money. <laughs> not saying that that exactly happens, but like, how does, how does that get figured out? Or is that something that still needs to be, you know, um, streamlined or maybe improved?
1: There's always a set of rules around each of those programs. Right. And so, you know, right now, most of it is federal money that's coming and there's the, their own set of federal rules it's actually an article in the newspaper today, right? About some of the the very heavy requirements that these businesses have to um, comply with in order to get a five thousand dollar grant. You know, they're they're like bending over backwards to get a five thousand dollar grant. So, but they're federally required, right? There's nothing we could do. It is what it is. Um, so we do our best to. Um, we've actually been working with you know, the CPA society and attorneys to help businesses fill these papers out because it is sometimes so complicated, but it, the rules, the rule, right? Like that's that we're stuck with it too. We're, we're not happy with it. Um, but what is just funny, I had lunch with two accountants in the last few days. And what I'm hearing from them is that in, unless you're in sort of the event hospitality restaurant, uh, space, most of the are doing really well. You know, they've, they, they, they've, they're they handling all of it. Uh, they've been trying to hire people. They have money in the bank. They're trying to buy things. Um, but what every single business is struggling with is hiring staff. Everybody's having a hard time hiring staff. And then there's also a level of burnout that they're all suffering, um, whether it's losing people or people are just not working as hard, whatever it might be. So it's just a really weird time right now. And, I, you know, it will sort itself out. Um But if you are having a hard time trying to fill out that paperwork to get some kind of a grant program and there is a level of frustration, we're with you on that. There is a level of frustration. um, But there are programs through the Rhode Island Commerce Corporation of people who can help you for free to fill out those forms.
0: So we were talking before about resources and availability and sometimes people not knowing where to go. And it's like, hey, just getting person A to the right place, um, you know, to access resource B. Um, So – are there any new programs, new incentives, things that your department or that you're working on, that maybe is coming down the pipeline, or things that you know you want to get the word out and try to promote? Is there anything that you that you guys do? Because you're talking about crypto earlier, which is fairly new, so I'm, there's probably something with that. But is there anything new that you're like, hey, we're working on this thing. It's it's you know we want to get the word out about it. Is there anything new coming down the pipeline that maybe people should start looking into? Um, you know that your department or any department is working on.
1: So you're a little younger than me, so I'm not going to date myself. But I will say that in my long career in the small business space, there has never been so many programs, resources, money, everything is available to a small business owner right now. If you want to open up a business, absolutely, now is the time to do it. Um, I could spend two hours telling you about everything that's out there. There is that much, which is why I'll say you want to start with the Rhode Island Commerce Corporation, sit down with an advisor, tell them... Where you're at, you know. Even if you're just at the beginning stage, there are so many free resources out there. Um, the ones that have always been around. Uh, there's an entity called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. That's run by the federal government. Those are retired executives who will mentor you. There's also the SBDC, which stands for the Small Business Development Center. That is a federal and state uh, partnered program, and they will offer you handhold, uh, handholding, and counseling through anything that you need for your business. There's also the Center for Women in Enterprise, CWE. Um, They're not just for women, but they offer a lot of programming and classes. And there's a ton of new places that have opened up. Even in the last month, there's been Biz Bodega, and there's a brand new one that I just saw in the Providence Business News yesterday. So there are so many resources out there that I've lost track of how many there are. Um, And they all cater to different needs. So um, call the Commerce Corporation, meet with a counselor, explain your situation, and they'll point you in the right direction.
0: So this is going to be a a two-part question. Um, What is the one, you know, maybe one or two things that you wish the general public, again, kind of going reducing that adversarial and rather that customer service mindset and culture change, what are some things you wish the general public knew about what goes on behind the scenes from a government perspective or like maybe misconceptions they have? And second part of that question, what advice would you give to anybody who's maybe like, hey, I actually want to make things better and, you know, I'll, I'll work in government to make it better. Like, what advice would you give? So two-parter.
1: So I'll start by saying, you know, government isn't perfect, right? I mean, government is, isn't perfect, um, but they try really, really hard. Like I said, there's been this culture change of customer service that I have really seen and um, it's the way it should be, in my opinion. But are you going to have a problem? Yes, absolutely. So if there's a level of frustration, know that there are those tools that I talked about whether it's the governor's constituent affairs office, the small business ombudsman, there's always some sort of appeal process going straight to whoever. I mean, there are, don't just be frustrated if you think that you are genuinely right or or need something, you should pursue it and and push for it. Um and you can do that at the local level too. You and I'm not sure what the mechanisms are at the federal level, that might be a little bit different, but you don't have to accept a no if you feel like you're genuinely right. And if the situation where you have gone through that whole appellate process, whatever it might be, and someone has still told you no, well, then there's probably some very good reason for it. Um, if not, you can always work with your legislator to change the law to get it the way you want it to be. I mean, again, this is such a broad subject There, It's hard to, to talk about it. but. Um, When I, when I have met with those thousands and thousands of business owners to ask them what their problems are, I will tell you that it is um, – people always say it's the regulations, and that's kind of like the, the coin term. And what I tell them is it's not the regulations. Rarely it's a regulation. And regulations can be changed – I don't want to say easily, but they can be changed um, with a several-month hearing process. But you can also change a law, too, if if what you're trying to do is really not something – um, and then you're looking at the whole public body to help decide. But most of the problems that you see in state government is a bad process. The process is old or broken, or the form doesn't really answer the questions that you need, or there's not a mechanism for you to get the answers. So or
0: Sometimes things aren't defined within the process, and then yes. you unknowingly screw something up, and it's like, well, <clears throat> the process was so bad, there was no way that I was knowing that I was <clears throat> doing something either right or wrong.
1: So it's, it's more often the process and that's where there's far more flexibility because it's just a matter of having Susie Jones do this instead of Susie Jones do that. So, so all of those things are up for change. And, and like I said, I've really seen the culture change where people are willing to take a look at it and make things better. Can I give you an example or two yeah, sure. of things that we've yeah, go done? For it. So, um, a couple things that are, are, I like to explain cause they're easy to understand, but know that we have done this hundreds if not thousands of times. Um, an example of a regulation that was, that was bad is it was very unclear to restaurant owners whether they could sell alcohol before noon on Sundays. Therefore, the insurance companies would not give the insurance coverage for, business, for restaurants to sell alcohol before noon on Sundays. Some did anyway and broke the rules, but the, the rule followers were like, well, we're not going to do it. But you know what? On Sunday mornings, some people want their mimosas, right? So we called it the mimosa regulation. So guess what we did? We changed the regulation so that it's very clear that you can sell liquor before noon on Sundays, and now the insurance companies were allowed to do it. But we didn't know that because I don't know that, right? But we had to have, you know, essentially the Rhode Island Hospitality Association and restaurant owners come to us and say, there's a problem here. Can you please make it clear so that we can sell mimosas on Sunday? If the rule is none, fine. But the point is, is make the rule clear so that we know. That's one example. Here's another one. Restaurant owners would come to us and say, why do I have to pay this $80 frozen desserts license? We took a look at it here back in the day in the '60s um, when slushies started coming about. Slushies were being sold at you know your typical ice cream store, and it was used in the same equipment as soft serve ice cream. And when it was coming through, it was in a um, copper piping. Well, slushies have you know juice and acid, and so when the juice and acid was coming through the the copper piping, kids were getting sick because so it
0: was because cur- the piping because the piping was it, bad, gotcha. right?
1: So, so this was before this world of plastic, right, came about. So they created a license because the state wanted to make sure that the kids weren't getting sick so they could go and inspect all these soft-serve machines to make sure they weren't running slushies through it. So there was a legitimate reason for it. But that was in the 60s, and so literally all these years later— It just
0: never got—nobody looked at it and be like, hey, this doesn't apply anymore. Exactly. Like, we need to update
1: this. Nobody ever said, hey, we should get rid of it. So guess what? We found out who's on the list. We looked at it. We said, do we still need this license? We work with the Department of Health. Nobody uses copper tubing anymore. Everybody uses plastic. So guess what? We got rid of the license. Right? So we did that. Then my personal favorite was um, in your basement when you're coming up the stairs, there's the the handrail. There's a handrail. The fire, the national fire code says that it has to be two inches away from the wall. The um, federal law from the building side says it has to be an inch and three quarters. So many people in Rhode like Island,
0: which one am I supposed to do? Here? Seems
1: like such a little thing, but this was like one of the biggest complaints that the construction industry brought to us and said, can you please figure this out? So guess what? We got fire in a room, we got building in a room and we said, where does your law come from? Federal was a national standard, standard versus building was a federal law based on ADA compliance. So we said, guess what? Federal law trumps That's what it is. It's going to be an inch and three quarters from now on. So now in Rhode Island, after 20 years of people complaining about it, it's now an inch and three quarters and you can forever have that and not have to have problems with it.
0: So it's a, Hey, if, if, if you think this regulation is wonky, speak up and then try to get to somebody like you, or maybe, again, maybe it's this access to resource thing or go go into the right person. Maybe they're going to another person that can't change it, but then they finally get to you. So that's interesting. It's like, it's like no, like speak up about it because there, there's a good chance that maybe it's just outdated or something. But then it's like, okay, who do I go to to actually that can actually help me out? Yeah. You know, how do they how do they figure out that you're the I know a guy at you know at, at, I'm doing that in quotes because nobody can see me. But, <laughs> you know, how do we like it's it's again it's like okay I'm gonna complain to this person because I think it's the right person. And then they're like, no, that's a person that can't change anything. It's like how do I get to the right person? and Go, this makes no
1: sense. So if I could, so my yeah. biggest piece of advice to business owners is, and I know this is, you know. I'll say it again at the end of at the end of the show. My biggest piece of advice is you are running your business. You do not have time to know all of these things that we're talking about, right. right? Like you and you're good at doing what you're doing. You're not good at all this other stuff, right? Join a chamber. Join a merchants association. Join a trade association that has to do with your kind of business. Be a part of a group of people who can answer your questions because the president of that organization, whether it's the manufacturers association, or the East Bay Chamber of Commerce, or the Hope Street Merchants Association, it's their job to get you the access to the resources that you need. You are not expected to know where everything is or how everything works, but it would behoove you to pay a fee to join a membership. I mean, in these merchants associations, it's like $50, if that so that you have somebody who is there to help you find it out. And they might not know the answer, but they know the person within state or local government who can get you that answer.
0: Because that $50 could save you X amount of hours in doing stuff on your own, and you can get back to doing what you're doing.
1: I can't tell you enough how important it is to join something so that you have access to everything that you need. Because they'll summarize it for you, right? They'll give you an email that says, you know, here's the latest and greatest information from the state or the municipality. Um, But you got to join something. You can't just work 100 hours a week and complain that you don't know unless you have paid to have some kind of access to resources, unless you want to do it all yourself.
0: So you're talking about advice. And I think this is a good way we're coming up on the end here. Um, you know, again, a two parter, uh, what, cause you've seen both the business side and you've seen the government side. So you've got a unique perspective on Rhode Island um, and Providence, et cetera. What do you think makes Rhode Island unique just from an entrepreneurial perspective, a business perspective, a doing business here perspective and you know, I know you already gave some advice, but what advice would you have for the entrepreneurs out there? Especially, again, just like the show, the creative entrepreneurs that maybe they're doing businesses that aren't of you know, the norm or maybe it's a new business type that hasn't been done before. So 2 part: what makes Rhode Island unique and what advice would you give to the creative entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs coming up today, especially if they have business ideas or businesses that are unique and never have been uh, attempted before, at least maybe not in the state.
1: Yeah, you know, I can give you like the standard answer, right? The, the answer that everybody knows, right? I mean, we're between Boston and New York. You've got the oceans, you've got the mountains, you've got uh, the access to the ocean, right? Like the whole blue economy is growing like crazy. But what's really unique about Rhode Island is everybody knows everybody. We're all either related or friends with each other. So you can get the personal attention that you need for your business. In other, in other bigger states, I wouldn't be on this kind of show. I wouldn't be able to give you all this information. I wouldn't have met with literally thousands of business owners to find out how to fix that frozen desserts license or that handrail or the other thing, right? Like they would have been caught up in all sorts of bureaucratic mess. But in a state like Rhode Island, I can sit down with you and hear what you have to say, and we're going to turn around and fix it because I don't want to hear people complaining about it anymore. We want to make it better. We want to fix it. And so that's the real, um, that's the real difference in Rhode Island is you you get to actually talk to a person.
0: And any advice for the the entrepreneurs coming up? Any further advice, or any, um, especially if they're doing like, you know, maybe more of like creative work or they're doing something that hasn't really been attempted here? Any advice for them?
1: I would start by Googling it. Google it. You know, again, if you're looking for a car or an apartment, you don't just know all that information. And starting a business is like that. There are so many resources out there that are completely free. You just need to tap into it. And I would start at the Rhode Island Commerce Corporation and the Rhode Island Secretary of State's office who would give you as much information as he can.
0: So we're at the end and I always do this as a tradition on the show. You know, we're at the end and I'm going to let you um, promote or talk about anything that you want to talk about, anything that you want to promote, anything you want people to know, any place you want to direct them to any projects you're working on, this is it's open mic, go for it. This time is yours to promote or talk about or let people know about anything you want them to know about.
1: Well, you know what? I'll talk about how I met you. Okay. So that was at All right. CIC at Venture Cafe. And um, the reason that I was there is we're working on a project to make it easier to do business because that's something I am super passionate about. That is why I came to state government because opening up 350 businesses was a bear. I did have to go to, you know, multiple different websites to do things. Um, great example is when you want to open up a restaurant, you need to go to about 13 different websites, state, local, and federal uh, websites. And uh, I'm working on a project in the state to try to make it easier to do that. So you know many many governments want to have what's called a, go- a one-stop shop, a one-stop shop. I want to make it so easy to open up a business. Well, the reality is if you just want to file your corporate paperwork, you could do that in a day, right? So the, the definition of how to open up a business is, is, um, is really innocuous. That said, it would be nice if I didn't have to enter my information over and over again, right? So, we're working on a project. Uh, we have finished the, um, the piloted stage, and I call it a wheel. And so, what, what it is is you're going to enter a website and you're going to claim your digital identity uh, by proving who you are through your Rhode Island driver's license. And then you're going to enter your basic information, you know, Liz Tanner, 123 Main Street, Providence, Rhode Island kind of thing, right? And that's sort of a data lake concept where I don't have to enter Liz Tanner, 123 Main Street ever again. And then I'm able to perform spokes on the wheel. And the first spoke on the wheel is to credential CPAs. And we're doing CPAs because their credentials um, uh, are used across all 50 states, so it's important for them to have it. And the hope is to build and grow the spokes on the wheel so that you don't have to enter your information over and over again, and you only have to answer questions that you've never answered before. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, like, why would I have to repeat the same information over and over? It's just like, exactly, all right, right? Like, great, I, I, this is ours I need back, just to fill out the same form. It's like, why am I doing this?
1: So, you know, you can call it many things, digital identity, digital government. You know, we are using some blockchain technology to hold some of that data, um, but we're really excited about creating what is truly a one-stop shop so that you only have to answer the questions for things that you haven't done before and that you can have your information held as one entity. Um, you know, one of the things we struggle with in government is to a certain extent fraud, but to a certain extent, just just a mistake. If you are the ABC restaurant, you're in the computer as T. When you're ABC restaurant, you're in the computer as A. And when you're the restaurant, you're in the in there as, the, as an R, right? And so when we're trying to find you, to match you up, to show that you are someplace else, It creates a lot of problems for us, and that's how um, very often fraud happens. By doing this, you go in as whatever you're choosing. Like, you pick your name. It is what it is, and it's permanently in there. And then we don't have those levels of fraud. We don't have the problems that result of it. You get to own your identity, and you get to control the information and the flow and access of your information. So it's a project that we're working on, very excited about it, hoping to take it to the next level. Um, But Rhode Island is first in the nation for this. Uh, We're following the lead of some other countries and Canadian provinces. And, um, I'm really excited about it. And I hope it's something that we get to, um, launch to the whole state, uh, within the next few years, but it's going to be very exciting, um, to have something like that because no other state has ever done that before, but that's your answer for how am I supposed to know, right? That's the biggest complaint I get. How am I supposed to know? The answer is we're trying to build something to solve that, but there are very few places in the world that even have that right now.
0: And you say it's, and it's, Pilot or just out of pilot stage? Is it out like, or is it coming out soon? Or
1: so we are testing right now gotcha. with the CPAs, um, and then uh, we're hoping to receive some funding to take it to the next level.
0: Well, with that, Liz, the uh, now everybody knows you're the quote unquote, I, I know a guy, or in this case, I know a gal, or I know a person. Uh, so, Liz, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for just like you said. Being willing to have this conversation, the the you know that is what makes Rhode Island unique. Is that I was able just to talk to you and that we got to do this show. So thank you for coming on. Really appreciate taking time out of your day today to come talk with me on the show. And hopefully anybody listening um, may have to reach out to you again just to get the list of all those organizations. Maybe put them out on on my site as well. Uh, for anybody listening, hopefully you got some some good information. Whether you're in Rhode Island or even if you're outside the state of Rhode Island, just uh, how to deal with government and business. And all that jazz. So until next time, everybody, keep on creating.
1: Thank you very much, and go Red Sox.
0: I'll, I'll let you have that. And that's it for this episode of The Creative Capital Show. Thank you for listening, and a special thanks goes to this episode's guest, Liz Tanner. The Creative Capital Show is hosted, recorded, edited, Mixed and produced by me, Jason Sylvia. You can listen to The Creative Capital Show over at our website, creativecapitalshow.com. We're also available on Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. If you like the show, please subscribe. Helps the show out a lot. And be sure to follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, and YouTube. I hope you enjoyed the show and until next time, keep on creating.